Welcome to the Wild Grand Rapids message of the week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experience the presence of God through this message by Pastor Matthew Fuller. Good morning, everybody. Can you turn the gain down on this microphone, please? How are we all doing today? You can hear me. Very well. Good. And the neighbors can hear me. Come and meet Jesus. All right. Happy Palm Sunday. How awesome is this? We're back in our building week two. Just below our final destination. We're so close. So, so close. We, uh, we, if you saw the sanctuary was all quarantined, if you will, uh, there's a little 2020 action going on upstairs uh, in the sanctuary. We've got all the asbestos tile is removed. It is gone. Yes. Super excited about that. And so now we're in the, uh, the stage of rebuilding. So everything's been removed that needed to be removed. That was the final piece of the puzzle. And uh, we will be back upstairs June 3rd for the conference. So we're super excited about that. Yeah, it's been a long journey. October 25th was when this all went down. Yeah, it's been a long time. I don't know if you saw, but we also had a nice uh, incident in the parking lot this past week as well. There was a truck that ran into the light pole and leaked gas all over the parking lot. And the news station was here, and the fire trucks were here, and... Welcome to the well. <laughs> I got a phone call. My family and I were in Detroit uh, area last week during uh, spring break, and got a phone call from Pastor Max, and he called and said, hey, you got time? And I said, well, I'm at Legoland. He said, well, a truck ran into our light at, uh, at the church. And I thought, of course it did. Why? <laughs> why didn't that happen sooner is what I've been wondering. I don't know why I didn't run into the light. I mean, somebody needed to run into it. I was tired of it standing there just all proud and in the same spot every week. There's, there are more light posts out there. If you're feeling ambitious after service this morning, feel free to give them a whack. Yeah. Yeah, just make sure you're insured because you know ours is great. Um, <laughs> while you're at it, run into the sanctuary. We can see if we can get that covered in the meantime. All right, so uh, happy Palm Sunday. <laughs> As I said, my family and I were in Detroit this past week for spring break. We went to Legoland. We had a great time there. Uh, before we, w- we left, uh, Tuesday, I believe it was, we were all talking as a team and, and talking about this coming Palm Sunday and the fact that, um, you know, this, this was a time when Jesus made his final entry into Jerusalem. This was a time where all of Israel was hoping for the Messiah to come, and he came in a way that they did not anticipate. And so we're talking about that last Tuesday, like this is this coming Sunday, and we were reminiscing actually on a message that I preached when we were in Flint, uh, maybe three years ago at this time. And I was talking about the fact that Jesus often comes in ways that we don't expect or that we don't see. And so I'm, I'm talking about this, sharing this, uh, this message um, as a kind of an intro into ministry time as we're in Flint. And what takes place after is Jesus coming in ways that I had absolutely never seen before. It was amazing. We saw a person 
with cataracts in his eyes, couldn't see. I would hold up fingers in front of his face. He had no idea what it was. I mean, fog in his eyes. You know how people with cataracts, they have like a, a foggy thing with their eyes. Well, that completely disappeared in front of our face. As this is happening, I see a person out of the corner of my eye stand up out of a wheelchair and start walking across the room. As that is happening, I see over on the other side another person in a wheelchair bending down and shooting up in the air, crying because they had just been healed all in an instant. It was the wildest experience of my life. Yay, Flint. People always talk bad about that place, but Jesus is there. Man, he is so present in Flint. And uh, so, yes, so he is all about coming in ways that we do not anticipate or expect happening. So I'm thinking about that on our drive over to, to the Auburn Hills area, and I'm with my family, and, and we stop at a gas station, and I start just, just super grateful the fact that I get time away with my kids. It was the first time that we've taken all four of our children on a trip. That was an experience in and of itself. We got two hotel rooms because for whatever reason, we decided to have four children and they wouldn't let us all in the same room together. So driving over and I'm thinking, man, this is, uh, uh, I don't know why they wouldn't. Uh, There are plenty of beds to jump on in one room. So we're driving over and I'm just super grateful for the fact that I'm with family. And I started thinking, you know what? This is what this I am thankful for. Jesus, you're, you're visiting me now, just driving over to uh, Auburn Hills. And so I'm driving over, and we decided to go early to the hotel because we wanted to um, go swimming all day long. And so I called the hotel ahead of time. I said, hey, do you mind if we have an early check-in? No, no problem at all. The, the rooms are already ready for you. So we got there at noon. Now, we had all day. We weren't, didn't have any plans until Thursday. We check in. Front desk person goes, are you here? Uh, are you, were you planning to swim? And I thought, yes, I'm planning to swim. Four kids, they're holding goggles in their hand. I don't know what brought you to that conclusion. But yes, we're here to swim. And uh, so we go, and shouldn't say anything. We walk over. We're like, yeah, let's check out the pool. And we go in to check out the pool and realize we would actually have a better chance skateboarding in the pool than we would swimming because the pool was empty. <laughs> didn't say anything. So pool is empty, and I think, okay, what's going on? So we check back, and then they start filling the pool. They're like, "Uh uh-oh, kids are here. So they started filling the pool up. It's not a quick experience (laughs) to fill up a big pool. So I go back down to the front desk, and I calmly and politely say, hey, I don't know if you noticed, but there isn't any water in the pool. And uh, we came here to swim. And so they say, well, we're going to be filling it up right now. It should be ready by 4 or 5. Give us a call back. And I think, okay, well, you can tell them. I'm not telling them. They just spent two and a half hours in this car to come over here early to go swimming, so be my guest. So we break the news, and they're like, oh, man. And I thought, I know. And so I had this perfect plan of what this, this time away was going to look like, the best perfect plan. You know, I had already planned it out, and it was perfect. And so we go, and we decide, you know, we'll just go to, there's a mall nearby, and we'll walk around with them. And we ended up getting some food together call back, and it turns out that the pool isn't ready. So we're like, you know, let's just switch hotels. Well, it's spring break. In order to get a hold of customer service, it is a very long wait. So I wait on the phone for about an hour, and I say, Rachel, can you please uh, listen for the rest of it? I hand her the phone, and she hangs up as she grabs the phone. But of course this is going to happen. My perfect plan is not working. So I call uh, one of my employees, and I say, actually, Spencer, I say, Spencer, can you please... uh, call American Express. I just waited an hour, and I can't do this anymore. 
I've got four kids, and we just want to have a good time. So I'm having this internal struggle of irritation at the same time of I am extremely excited to be with my kids right now. We're not actually having a bad time at all, but it really wasn't according to the way that I wanted it to go. But we're having a great time. So we decide after an hour on the phone again with American Express, and we, we call and we say, hey, you can move if you'd like. It's going to be this, this, and this to, to do it. And I thought, you know what? I look at the, the app on the phone for the hotel that we're staying at. It says that we have movies on demand. I'm like, you know what? My kids and I, will just watch a movie together. And so we sit, we go back to the hotel. We go to watch a movie. They're all excited. We got popcorn for it. We're, we're ready to have, watch a movie together. And I turn on the TV, and there are no movies on the TV. And I'm like, I can't figure out this remote. There's something obviously wrong with the remote because the app says they have movies at this hotel. This is listed in the amenities right below pool that has water in it. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, below that is beds, you're right. And then, so then we go down to the front desk and we say, hey, you know, we couldn't swim in the pool. We're trying to watch a movie. Can you just help me with this remote? I am a millennial, but for whatever reason, I can't figure this remote out. And they say, well, we're in between providers right now, so we don't have any movies at this hotel. I thought, okay, this is great. So we go to the store and we rent a or we rent, we buy a game and we decide to play games. And we're playing games with my family and the night is actually going great. I wanna be irritated, but I'm having a great time. And one of my daughters goes, raise your hand if this is the best day of your entire life. <laughs> and the whole room raises their hand up. And I want to inform them that this was not the best day of their entire life because it wasn't the way that I wanted it to go. And that was when I remembered the fact that Jesus comes in ways that we don't anticipate. You see, we're oftentimes we get really, really caught up in the way that we want things to look like in life. We get really caught up in the ways that things should be, and we have this whole history of our relationship with God. And unfortunately, our history is great, but it can blind us to what it is that he's wanting to do right now. So with that, let's turn, open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. Palm Sunday, Jesus is, is about to enter into Jerusalem, heading towards his death, heading towards to the one thing that we all stake our faith on was the fact that his blood was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins so that we can spend all of eternity with the Father. What good news is that? So uh, 21 verse 1 says this, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you. Lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Now this verse is extremely interesting to me. In Luke, it actually tells a little bit more of the story. It says that they went and the owner asked them. He said, what are you doing with my donkey? And he says, the Lord have, has needed them. He goes, oh, go ahead then. Now how interesting is that? Can you imagine that there is a word that the Lord released... He says that he's going to do something, and all you have to do is just respond to that word. You know, there's actually a favor that's released on things that will house the presence of God. 
He speaks forth, hey, go, and all you have to do is say, the Lord has need of that donkey. And sure enough, the donkey was released to them. You know, we have many experiences in life where maybe we receive a prophetic word or, or we, we have this unction from the Lord of, of, of what we feel called to. He says, go out and, and, and step on the, on the water. Go walk in this new thing that I have for you. And oftentimes when he says to step on the water, then we go to the store and try to find a life jacket. But what if we actually didn't apply human wisdom to the word of the Lord? What if his word is enough to achieve that which it was actually sent to achieve? What if every word sent from heaven will not return to him void? But it has the actual grace and the power to transform, to bring the favor that is needed for it to accomplish the work in which it was sent for. Each and every one of us in this room have been given specific words, specific destiny, specific callings from the Lord that he's not asking for us to add to. He's not asking for us to try to figure out in our own strength. He's not asking for us to, to figure out how to go from X to Y to Z and to, to, to chart our path to make the perfect plan but to only respond to what it is that he's saying in our lives. And there's a great favor that gets released as a result of that. Matthew, uh, verse 7, it says, They brought the donkey and the colt. They laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And there was a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You know, in, uh, when a king would actually enter into a territory, you have to remember the, the, uh, the Jewish people were under Roman oppression at this time. They were looking for a savior. They were looking for somebody that was going to come and make Israel the, the jewel of the earth once again, that was going to actually elevate it once again to bring it in as the world power of the earth. And they knew they had relationship to God according to different things that they had read throughout uh, Scripture. They had seen how he went and conquered territories. They saw how he went and, and conquered his way through the promised land. And they were looking for this kind of leader again. They wanted a political leader that would come and bring them salvation. That word Hosanna actually means that they begged for his salvation. It actually means, please save us, son of David. So we oftentimes picture this as Hosanna to the son of David, but they're saying, please come and save us. We're tired of this oppression. Please come and set us free. And Jesus decides in his perfect plan to ride in on a donkey. They, they were looking for a king that was going to come riding in on a horse. They were looking for a king that was coming for battle. And he chose to be the prince of peace because the donkey actually represents peace. So Jesus took the lowly way. He took the way of the donkey, and he rode it into town as all of them are screaming out or crying out for salvation. And it says that they laid their garments down upon that donkey and upon the road and laid the palms down, which represent victory. And their garments, in, in, the, in biblical times, the garment was actually a representation of the identity of the person. For example, a poor person would wear a poor man's garment or a blind man would wear a blind man's garment. And so literally, what all these people are doing is saying, all that I am, I am giving to you. Who I am, my identity, I am laying down before you as you enter in and take the rightful place as king of Israel. 
This sounds like a familiar story to what we've heard over these last couple of years. You see, we've been looking out for somebody that would come and save this nation. We're looking in places for a political leader that is going to turn back righteousness in this nation. What if Jesus is already here riding on a donkey and we're just not looking in the right places? What if we stopped looking and fighting for laws to change and started fighting for transformation of heart? You see, we're looking in the courts of public opinion when he's transforming minds at the same time. He's coming in riding in ways that we can't anticipate, ways that we aren't seeing. And we've chosen to, to go to the crowds instead of going to the Father himself. But he's actually called us to surrender our entire life. And this Palm Sunday, it, uh, as I was just mentioning earlier, it reminds us that he's coming in ways that we can't anticipate and that he's already here. We're looking for a great outpouring. We're looking for some specific movement, for something that lines up with the ways that he has done things in the past. But what if he's moving in your everyday life already and we just need eyes to see it? Verse 10, it says, And when he came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. After this, in, in Luke chapter 19, it says, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. You see, all of these people, they understood that he was coming to bring peace, but he's weeping because he realizes that they think that this peace is going to come in a different way. There was another time in Scripture where there was a, where there was a man that, that rode in on a donkey, where there was a, a prophet that was anointed as king, and his name was Jehu. If anybody's familiar with the story, Ahab had come, and he had, he had brought a bunch of defilement to Israel. Baal worship was running rampant. There was actually a temple that was built up with Baal worshipers in it. Jezebel was, was destroying and murdering all the prophets. And there was this man, this prophet in the Old Testament named Jehu, that was called to be anointed as king. So Jehu also decided to ride in on a donkey. Before Jesus ever did this, Jehu rode in on a donkey, and the same experience happened. Garments were laid down upon Jehu's feet. You see, but Jehu, they knew that the way that he brought peace, and he was called to bring peace to Israel, and he was called to do so with a sword. He actually, after, after uh, he was anointed king, just like Jesus went into a temple and, and he cleansed the temple, he healed those who were blind and lame. Jehu actually entered a temple right after getting anointed king as well. There's a crazy parallel between the two. But he went in and he locked the doors. And he took out his sword and they slayed everybody inside to cleanse the temple. Where Jesus' perfect plan, instead of taking out a sword, he healed the sick and cleansed lepers. You see, Jesus did similar things that took place with Jehu, but he was coming in a way that the Jewish people didn't have eyes to see. And that's why he's weeping over Jerusalem, that they do not know in what way peace is about to come. And we know that that peace came upon the cross. So there's this, this question takes place. He's coming in in verse 10, and, and the whole city is moved, and they say, who is this? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth 
of Galilee. You see, where we look for for this question to be answered is key. The whole city, instead of going to Jesus and asking him what he's doing, the people in the city went to the crowds for the question to be answered. It was true that he was a prophet, but he was much more than just a prophet. He was much more than just a prophet that wrote him because, see, their answer, their response was based on the previous knowledge of what it means to be a prophet. Their previous knowledge of what it means for when a prophet gets anointed king in the way that that prophet is about to bring peace. And so they had all of their hopes up. They thought, okay, maybe he is on a donkey, but we've seen how prophets bring peace before when they ride in on donkeys, and it's coming with a sword. This same crowd only days later are yelling out to crucify him. Because when we look for the crowd for the answer, we're taking the knowledge that we have, our limited perception on who Jesus is and basing on the way that he is going to come instead of going directly to the Father and hearing from him on what he's wanting to do and in the ways that he's wanting to move. How I many know crowds are dumb? <laughs> they, they really are. The greater amount of people to give an answer on things, the lower the quality of decisions are actually made. Anybody ever been on Facebook? Crowds are dumb. There was a study that was done back in the 50s. And there was this man, he, uh, he wanted to see how people conformed and how easy it was for society to conform to a certain opinion. And so he did this study where he, would, he took this line, let's call it the reference line, Let's say it's four inches long. I don't know the exact length of, of the line, but he took the reference line, and then he showed another image of three different length lines. Reference line, he says, which one of the other three are the same length? When people answered this on their own, they were right over 99% of the time. Because you could see this line is the same length of line B, let's say. But when they were put in a room, the, the, the people would be put in a room with a crowd of other people. What they did not know is that the crowd was placed there by the man that was doing the study. And so the crowd is all together, and he tells them all to answer wrong. So they all say line A is the same length. Obviously not the correct answer. But 75% of the time, the person that was the one that was being studied would choose the wrong answer in order to fit in with the crowd. And he actually found that the greater the, the uh, size of the crowd, that there would be a more increased level of conformity to what the crowd had to say. See, people would often, then they'd start questioning themselves. Am I wrong? It was obvious that this line was this, but they would rather choose the way of the crowd than stand out as an individual. You see, when I was in Detroit and I was thinking about this, and I'm, I'm thinking about what I knew a good vacation was. I knew the best way, thing that happened to me when I was a kid on vacation, the, the greatest way of doing things, and I was so focused on that that I didn't see the way that Jesus was actually there pouring out into my family's lives. You see, I'm afraid that what can take place in our own lives, if we're not careful, is we listen to the narratives of the crowd 
We follow party lines. We follow this narrative of, of right or left or mask or no mask or all of these different things that are keeping our eyes off the fact that Jesus is right here, riding in on a donkey in a way that we didn't anticipate him. Because we know the way he's supposed to come. We know what he's supposed to look like. But the crowd gets so loud that it is easier for us to just go with the flow instead of thinking freely on our own and actually going to the Father. You see, Jesus said it to his disciples. He said, who do men say that I am? And they start to answer, well, you're a prophet, you know, you're, you're, you're Elijah, you're this, you're that. And he says this, but who do you say that I am? Each and every one of us are going to have to answer that question. We don't get to go to heaven and say, well, but the Republicans said, but the Democrats said, but my pastor said. My mom said, my dad said, my school teacher said, this is who you were. And so this is who I was serving the whole time. And the entire time I was blinded to the way that you were actually moving in my life. This Palm Sunday reminds us that the crowd's voice can blind us to the things that are taking place in our life, whether it's our own insecurity, if they thought that maybe, listen to this, there would also be an inc- a decrease of correct answers when the task would become more difficult it's easier to go with the flow if the issues are more complex it's easier just to make a decision based on what the loudest person in the room is saying instead of actually thinking through actually hearing the voice of God for ourselves this would actually people were increasing conformity when other members of the group had a higher social status. Well, they have more money than me, so they must be right. They have this more than me, so they must be right. I must be wrong. Listen, this was the same crowd that's yelling out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David, that days later are yelling out, crucify him, crucify him. How many people in that crowd do you think actually meant it on either side? How many people were just going along with the flow? How many people actually meant crucify him, but they didn't want to stand out separate? Maybe they saw Jesus for who he truly was, and they didn't have the courage to stand up. You see, there is so much noise. There is so much just narrative that is being fed to our culture in this time. And if we're not careful, we're saying that we're not for the main voice, and then we all gather together as a different voice. That's all the same. We say, I'm against this main thing. I'm a free thinker. And all these free thinking people then make their own social platform and free think together. I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes, but I've done this as well. I've done this as well. We can get so caught up in what we believe that we surround ourselves with people that believe the same way as us, and then we call it right. And we're waiting for Jesus to come, and I'm afraid that we're missing him walking right by us. I'm afraid that we're looking for an answer. We're looking for a solution to something that he's already given us. What if there are solutions that are outside for this nation, specifically? What if there are solutions that are outside of every narrative that we've heard? What if he is actually coming in a new way? The thing about new means it's new. 
super deep stuff up here. What if we're looking for something to conform with the way that we've been told that we should believe when he's actually coming in a really, really new way? You see, I believe the Father has something that's great in store for his people. And what he's asking us to do is to come to him, to cut out the noise, to cut out the complaining, to cut out the, the, the backbiting, the, the name calling, the blaming, and just to come to his feet. Because we all know that whether or not there's a peace inside of each and every one of us, if we disagree with the group, for whatever reason, we just go along with the flow. How many, I will say, how many people, I want to say men, in here have a story to tell that started with, I bet you won't. (laughs) I have climbed a cell phone tower because of that phrase. Yes, I bet you won't. We'll make you do things you do not want to do. (laughs) But I'm glad I have the story to tell. (laughs) I bet you won't. There's something that happens in a group. There's something that happens in a crowd. See, we focus on the fact that uh, with Palm Sunday that Jesus came in on a donkey. But what about this crowd that switched its tune only days later? And how many of us are a part of that crowd? How many of us are a part of that conversation that's taking place? And we're missing the fact that he's really wanting to do something new. Because we're either afraid of standing up for what we truly believe in. And I know, I'm not saying that nobody in here is doing that. Hear my heart with this. I believe that there are people in this room that are hearing directly from the Lord and they are doing something new. They're looking for God in ways that they haven't experienced him before. Because I, I, just, I truly b- believe that there are a bunch of brave people in here that have the courage to do that. But I don't want us to get stuck in, well, that's just the way it's supposed to be. Well, him moving, that's just the way it needs to be done because that's what I've been told. That's the way he did it before. That's how he's going to do it again. And I'm afraid that we're going to miss what he's doing if we're looking for him to just do it the way he's always done. See, because a prophet was anointed king in the Old Testament by the Lord. God was the one that said, Jehu, you are king. Bring peace to Israel. And he brought peace the way that God had told him to. Jesus, you are king of kings. Come bring peace to this world. And Jesus did it the way that he needed to do it. See, each and every one of us, we're going to have to stand on that day. Whether we want to face reality or not, we're all going to die. That's just fact of the matter. There's nobody that I've heard of so far besides Jesus that escaped that. I guess maybe Elijah, Enoch. All right, I'm wrong. We will die, though, (laughs) unless you're one of them. But each and every one of us are going to die. And we have a decision to make. Are we going to follow what we've been told? Or are we going to go to the Father and say, who are you? See, that question was asked in the city, who is this man? Do we go to the crowd for that answer? Or do we go directly to Jesus for that answer? I believe that there is an answer that he has for each and every one of us. That we get to answer 
there's an answer that he has specifically for us. Maybe for one person in this room, he's coming to them as father. Maybe for another person in this room, he's coming as a, as a helper, as a, as, a, as a companion. See, what he is for you, and hear me out with this, may be different what, than what he is for the person that's next to you, for what you need in this moment. I'm not saying that we get to invent who Jesus is, but what I am saying is he is multifaceted, and he comes with exactly what you need at the perfect time. So who is he to you today? As we're thinking of Palm Sunday, as we're heading into Easter, as we're coming to celebrate his resurrection next Sunday, who is he to you this week? Not what has he been told he should be to you, but I want to invite you to come to his feet. Come before his throne. Say, you know what? These are all the things that I've been told about you, all the stories, the, the rules, the things that I need to follow in life. These are all the ways that, that I'm supposed to relate to you as, but Jesus, break all the things that are false in our minds. If you close your eyes. Jesus, break down all the false narratives, all the false ideas, the false accusations that even man has put up against you, that we have put up against you in our own hearts, Lord, where we have taken the easy route for answers to be found in the crowds. Father, I pray that you would give us the courage and the boldness to come directly to you, to listen to your voice and your word over our lives. Jesus, I pray that you would show us who you are, that we would see you clearly, that we would see you in your fullness, that we would see you Lord, according to who you say that you are in our lives, God. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I repent. For any times that I have spoken, argued, put you in a box, Lord. Went with the crowd because it was easy thing to do. I want to invite you to stand if you want to join me in this. <coughs> Father, we repent. For any times, Lord, that we have followed a narrative, that we have followed a, the way that things are just supposed to be and miss you, Lord, where we have tried to fight for you, but not in the character of you. Father, where we have declared your name to be true, but we forgot about the love that it carries. Father, we repent for fighting so hard to be right instead of so hard for hearts to be transformed. Lord, give us your heart. Give us your eyes. Give us your mind, Lord. Give us your heart for this nation. Give us your heart for your people. Lord, we loosen our hands. We open our grip. And we just rest in you, the Prince of Peace. And Father, we say yes to walking 
in the ways of your kingdom, the ways that you have orchestrated for them to be walked in. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about The Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.